about Jesus. We're continuing our study in Romans 8, and this morning we're going to look at Romans 8, the first 13 verses, as we look at the basis of the Christian life. I'm going to ask uh, to turn there, and when you find that, to stand in our God's honor. Romans 8, verses 1 through 13, as I read aloud. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do and that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in sinful man in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the spirit. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. The sinful, the mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the spirit. If the spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin. Yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation but it is not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Let's pray. Master, we come to you. It's really quite easy, Lord. We need you. We need to hear from you. We need to be reminded of you. And Father, we just need that, Lord. This is called a worship service, which means our role is to worship. And you are the one to worship. And so may our attention and may our hearts and may we simply turn ourselves to you. And Father, we just pray that um, as we leave this place, Father, you will be the center of it all. And, Lord, that we might just get a glimpse of Jesus. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. We'll start out here. There are three great truths that are shown to us in the first four verses of our text. And then the rest of the text, I want to look at a contrast between what the sinful nature looks like when the sinful nature is in control and what it looks like when God's Spirit is in control in us. So, uh, to begin with, first great truth here is we are eternally secure in Christ. Look at verse 1. What a great verse. We looked at this verse last week as well. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So, what this truth says is we are eternally secure in Christ. 
That first word, as I mentioned last week in the Greek of that sentence, is no. No condemnation now in Christ Jesus. It is not something we will have. It is not something that we look forward to. It is something we possess now. Um, Think of Noah. Remember, it it talks about in Genesis chapter 6 that God looked around the world and that man was self-centered to the point that everything was good in his eyes and he didn't care about God and didn't care about anything else and God looked and said that he was heartbroke over it and he, he came up with this plan of judgment to flood the earth. And he called Noah to build this ark. And you, you guys know what happened as the animals, two by two, they, they came into the ark. And, but that whole time that he was building the ark, he was, he was preaching and, and he was talking about God and, and he was hoping that someone would listen and someone would come to truth. Now, let's just assume that this didn't happen. We don't have this recorded. But let's just assume that someone did happen to come. That's not what occurred, but. And, and they listened to the message and said, you know, God, God does love me and I'm going to turn to God. But they said, OK, this flood's getting ready to come. So here's what I want to do. I, you know, I don't want to come into the ark. So, so Noah, if you can just build a peg on the outside of that ark, a, a big, long peg. And, and man, I'll hold on to it. And, and if you could put me a step down here, too, so I could stand on, hold that peg. And when the waters come and the storm comes, I'll hold on tight to that peg. And I'll hold on tight to that peg till the storm's over. And I'll be right on there attached to the ark. God's place of safety. But let's say Noah said, why don't you come in the ark? Come in the ark. That's where it's safe. And I'm going to shut that door of the ark and there we'll all be safe from the, the floodwaters. He says, no, I, I'm going to hold on to the ark. There's some that have this idea that Man, what I've got to do is, is Jesus Christ is the Messiah. He is the Savior. But I've got to hold on to Him like a peg on the outside of the ark. But He invites us into Christ. This says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who have stepped into the ark, the secure salvation that He provides. And so the first truth is, if you've come to Christ, you're safe in Him. You're secure in Him. You're not hanging on to some peg by trying to reach God. You're in the boat. Safe in Christ. Second truth here. We're internally free. Look at verse 2 here. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of life set me free from the law of sin and death. The the truth here that's illustrated here is the, the law of the spirit of life. The Holy Spirit who comes and makes his home in the heart of the believer in Christ Jesus has power over that law of sin and death. In other words, I, you know, this idea, I've got to be perfect and I've got to do everything just right. But, but the spirit of life and the story of the good news of Jesus Christ dying on the cross, he takes over and, and he's the one that gives us that power to say yes to God and obey God. And it's not based on performance, but it's based on his love and the person of Jesus. That, that's what it's about. Now, we can come to Christ and be safe in the ark of his salvation and it's secure in Jesus. And, and yet we can refuse to walk in the power of his spirit. And that's sad, but it can occur. And God calls us to come close to him. But we, we can drift away from him, sadly enough. 
And this is illustrated in Lot. Remember in the Old Testament, and uh, you get down in Genesis 13, I believe it is. Turn me back to Genesis 13. Um, in Genesis 13, we, we read about Abram, who later is Abraham, and his nephew Lot. God's blessed them. They're traveling together. And there comes a little bit of bickering and fighting between uh, the herdsmen of Abram and Lot. And so they decide we need to go separate ways. Anyway, you come down here to verse uh, 9 or verse 8. And Abram says to Lot, let's not let this quarreling separate us. And as you read on, he says, you go one direction, I'll go the other. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left and opposite if you choose. So he comes down to verse 10. It says, Lot looked up and saw the whole plain of the Jordan was well watered. Like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt toward Zor. So he looked and, and as he looked around, what he saw caught his eye, caught his attention. He thought, that's where I want to go. That is a beautiful place. That is the place where, where I want to live. And, and you get down here to verse 12. It says, Abram lived in the land of Canaan. Remember, the land of Canaan is the promised land. He went the direction. Abram went the direction of the promised land. The land God had for his people. But it says, while Lot, verse 12, lived among the cities of the plain and pitched his tents near Sodom. Verse 13, now the men of Sodom were wicked and were sinning greatly against the Lord. So what we see here is that he pitched his tent near Sodom. He, 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 first he saw Sodom. He said, this is where I want to go. Then he went closer and he pitched his tent there and he had a closer view. And then we read the next chapter that he lived there. He moved in there. And then what's so tragic uh, you get to Genesis chapter 19. I shouldn't have closed my Bible here. I should learn better. But Genesis 19, and you see that God's judgment's getting ready to come on Sodom and Gomorrah. And this is so tragic. Verse 14, all these events occur. God's getting ready to bring forth his judgment. It, it talks about him in verse 14. He's having a conversation with his future son-in-laws who were engaged to his daughters. It says, so Lot went out and spoke to his sons-in-law who were pledged to marry his daughters. He said, hurry and get out of this place because the Lord is about to destroy the city. But his son, sons-in-law thought he was joking. Man, how tragic. What happened? He spoke clearly about what was coming, about God's judgment, about his belief and his faith. And his son-in-law's sons-in-law thought he was joking. They hadn't heard him seriously expressing his faith and 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 and, 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 and rooted and, and built up and trusting in the Lord God. He, he was in this place and, and it was tragic. And then later on, as we read, as they escaped, that his, his wife looked back and she became this pillar of salt. There was all this loss. But Lot got out. He did escape. And so the, the picture here is you can have a saved soul and a lost life. You can go in the ark of salvation. You can rest there. You can find your hope. But, man, you can wander and lose your influence. Lose the blessings that God has for you, that He wants for you. And He has done everything that He can to set you free from the law of sin and death and to experience the fullness that He wants you to enjoy. But you can pitch your tent 
toward Sodom instead of head toward the promised land. And guys, that that breaks his heart. That goes against his heart. Um, And then third, we are positionally righteous. Listen to verses 3 and 4. For what the law was powerless to do in that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin and sinful man in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to sinful nature, but according to the spirit. Look at that fully the righteous requirements of the law fully met in us. According to the Spirit of God. Uh, a couple of years ago, I, when I early on became a Christian as a teenager, back in those days, the big deal was youth choir. And you'd be part of a choir and you'd travel around and sing in a church. And, and so we did, you know, some of that. And we had our reunion, I think it's been a couple of years ago. You know, all of us, and we changed a little bit and went back to trying to recognize each other. You know how that goes. So anyway, while I was there, one friend of mine who, I guess for the last 20, 25 years, has been a missionary in China and uh, that came out of our youth group, um, youth choir. And Walter actually worked for Campus Crusade for Christ. And it was real interesting. We, we sat and we talked and, and he was showing me some Chinese. I don't remember okay, how to do it exactly, but it was real interesting. He showed me the symbol for righteousness. The symbol for righteousness, it's two symbols. The first symbol is the symbol for me. And the second symbol, which is right above the symbol for me, is the symbol for lamb. And so the Chinese characters for righteousness are lamb over me. Man, that's the picture of being positionally righteous. You see, when God looks down, what does He see? He doesn't first see me. He sees the Lamb over me. Isn't that beautiful? It is the Lamb over me that He sees. That is not not how I actually live in every detail of my life, but it is Jesus that holds me and and cradles me and positionally I'm righteous in Him. That, that, That is what He provides. That is the blessing that He gives to us. Now, let's look at this comparison here of the old nature and the new nature. And the truth of the matter is, um, becoming holy and godly is not an automatic endeavor as far as our practice goes. Positionally, yeah, he looks at us and, and he sees the land. But our everyday life and how we live, there's a struggle that goes on. And holiness is, is, is learning to... To listen to God and, and to walk with God. There, there's an old story about an Alaskan trader who had two dogs. A black dog and a white dog. And once a month he, he would take them. And, and uh, they had a place where they would actually fight dogs. And they would bet on who would win. And sometimes his black dog would win. Sometimes his white dog would win. But he always won. He always placed the correct bet, and he won. And so one day, you know, one of his friends asked him, said, I mean, I know you're good, but how do you always know which dog's going to win? He says, oh, it's easy. He says, "Uh, 
I bet on the one that I fed for the last week. In a similar sense, guys, where's the nutrition, spiritual nutrition of our soul? Is it fed upon God's spirit, upon his word, upon a heart for God? Or is it the spiritual nature? Where do we set our tents? Like Lot, do we set our tents towards Sodom, that simple nature? Or do we set our tents like Abram toward the promised land? Toward Canaan? See, that is the key. And, and we're going to start here as we look uh, at this com- contrast. First, I want us to look at the old nature. We're just going to march down here through the scripture. Um, first part of verse 5. There's a mental orientation towards Seth. Um, it says, those who live according to their sinful nature have their minds on what that nature desires. They pitch their tent toward the allure of sin. They want that little tingle. They want to experience that thrill. Not realizing what it will cost. But that's the mindset. What do I want? It's basically a, Many of the things we see in the movies and on TV and that are in a lot of our popular songs on the radio. Those are the things, you know, we're seeking after. Um, that's the first thing. Secondly, in verse 6, I want you to notice uh, the mind of sinful man is death. And I explained this a couple of weeks ago. that The picture here of death, we know physical death is separation of the soul from the body. What it means now, until we step into eternity, it is the death of receiving the blessings God wants us to have. It is a death-like existence. It is missing God's best for us. Because our mindset and, and what we're after is not God. It's that sinful nature, or as some translations also say, the flesh it, it leaves God out and we miss God. And so it's that death-like existence of, of not receiving God's best and, and not knowing His heart and, and not experiencing that. It's an emptiness that leads to despair. Um, matter of fact, I thought about that. You know, what really separates us as believers is we have hope. You think you have hope, but the truth of the matter is without the resurrected Lord giving us Entry into heaven and eternity and forgiveness with our God. There's only despair. It's just a matter of timing. When we step there. To hope or to despair. And the mind of sinful man is death. Because there's never that hope. The truth is it's always leading toward despair. Uh, Look at verse 7 is the next lesson we learn about the sinful mind, sinful nature. The sinful mind is hostile to God. The sinful mind is resistive. And the sinful mind is resentful. And these are the people that are mad. You try to talk to them about God and they're mad. There's an anger. There's a boiling inside. They don't want to hear it. Don't tell me about God. Oh, you're so judgmental. All you care about yourself. That's the mindset. There's this hostility. And, and I believe the reason that hostility is there in the sinful mind is the Spirit of God 
inside, God has been revealed through creation we know of. And we know that people look at it, they know inside something's not right. And, and so there's this battle inside and we, you know, call it conviction. And, 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 and man, when they look at God and they look at the things of God and they look at the people of God, then, then, then they fall into this kind of conviction. And it brings a hostility. And especially in this case, because what we're talking here in this section of Scripture are people who have come into the ark, people who have come into Christ and into the safety of Christ, but they don't want to listen to God. Instead, they're feeding the sinful nature instead of feeding the Spirit of God. And so the result of that is this hostility. This anger. Um, fourth, there's an unsubmissive lifestyle. A disobedience to God. And, and uh, that's shared here. Um, the mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the spirit, life and peace. The sinful mind hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law. Nor can it do so. There is an inability to follow God. They're closed. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. It's just over the next book of the, uh, of the New Testament. Verse 14. The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. So it is speaking here of those who the understanding of God is closed. Those without the spirit. Is, it, it, that word foolishness is uh, the word moros, which we get moron from. So there's a moronic tendency to it. They're spiritually discerned, makes no sense. That's why people can come to church. You know, have you ever had someone you thought, man, if they could just come and just hear God's word. If, if they could just hear that truth. Man, God spoke to me with power the other day. And, and, and if that person could just come and hear that. Oh, man, God would do something. And so, you know, you manage to get them to come to church. And they come to church and you're saying, yeah, get him, God, zap him. And you look over there and he's like... Oh, man, I'm so bored. Oh, wow, why did I decide to come here? This is such a drag. And you're thinking, what's wrong with you? Why don't you get it? Man, that's what you need to hear. But why? Because he can't get it. It's spiritually discerned. And, and he can't get that. Well, the case and the one that's following the sinful nature, he may have the Spirit of God, but he's running from that Spirit. And so he has grieved the Spirit of God. He has quenched the Spirit of God. And so he, he he's not hearing correctly. It's blocked. The voice of God is, is not communicated and, 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 and he's not obeying God as a result of that. Being in control. Now, let's look at the other side of it. What's it look like under the guidance of the Spirit of God? When the Spirit of God is control of our lives well starting at verse 5 the second part of it it says but those who live in accordance with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires this is the person that there's just that connection with you know I, i've told this story several times but uh it, it fits here i think um 
uh, I can't keep track of time. It's been years ago, but some of y'all may remember the Promise Keepers movement. And, and that was where, you know, it was to encourage men to come together and to live for God. And to do that in every area of their lives, their families, their work, every area. And anyway, they had this, uh, I almost didn't go to this meeting. It was in the Georgia Dome in Atlanta. And a friend of mine called and said, man, our buddy, he can't come. There's already a ticket bought where you go. And I'm like, okay. So I go and there's like, Somewhere between fifty and 60,000 preachers in the Georgia Dome. How messed up is that? And we're singing. I've never heard anything like that. All these guys singing to God. and Man, it is an awesome, awesome time of worship. And they had, you know, all these famous speakers and you know, all this stuff. And it was great. But you know what my favorite time was? I thought, man, I can, as much as I love to sing and worship... I want to take a little time out, and I'm going to get in the halls. So I got out of my seat, and and, and I started walking, and I thought to myself, these are my brothers, thousands of them, and they're from everywhere. So I would just walk up to a guy, put my arm around him, and I said, brother, tell me, where are you from? Well, I'm from Wisconsin. And before I knew it, we'd be loving Jesus together. Man, you know, I'll pray for you. Man, I'd I'd walk down the hall, I'd grab another, where are you from, brother? You might say, I'm from Pennsylvania. Tell me about you, you know, what God's doing. He'd tell me a little bit. Man, you talk about getting excited. It thrilled my heart. Why? Because the guys I was talking to, there was, I used to call it a spiritual antenna. You know, where, where, you know, there's the signal that goes kind of back and forth. And that's what happens in the heart of the one who is walking in the Spirit of God. There's a hunger for spiritual things. Uh, Psalm 42, 1 and 2. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for you, the living God. Where can I go and meet with God? Hey, that's part of the one in the Spirit of God. Um, That vitality of life. And it leads, secondly, to a mind of life and peace. Notice the second part of verse 6. But the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. There's a contentment that at times goes against reason and it stems from a simple confidence that God loves me. And He's got a plan. And His plan is not to hurt me, but for His purposes and His glory. And man, that just frees us. Regardless of what we're facing, it, it, it's the mind of life and peace because you realize what God has for me is life. Remember what Jesus said, John 10, 10? I've come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. And you say, that's what he really wants for me. And, and then you understand, I can trust him regardless of this. I can trust him. And, and that brings peace. So the, the, the mind of the spirit's life and peace. So that, that's so critical and it's so crucial. Um, and I want you to, Notice here also, uh, part of God's family. Look here in verse 9. You, however, controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit. If the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. Thus, he's, he's not just taking it for granted. He's saying, if the Spirit of God is in you. The conversation here is, if you're going to walk in the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God must live in you. Must be inside. You must be a child of God. Uh, That transforming power must be part of you. Then he goes on, verse 10. 
and 11. Uh, look at that. He, he says, if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin. Yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. There is a life in you and it is the lamb over you. <laughs> Verse 11, and if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. You know, I have, I don't know how many times I have quoted this verse. I love this verse. Look at it real close. Just look at it real close again. Now, you have to get excited if you look at this close, guys. I mean, you know, I don't see this. Oh, it's so terrible. This is exciting. Say, oh, preacher, you're a preacher. Okay, let me go on. If the spirit of him, is Jesus in you? Who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. Resurrection power from the grave alive. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies. Through his spirit who lives in you. What's he saying? He's saying spiritually resurrection power. Amen. The resurrection power of God through Jesus Christ is yours. Now this is good. This, we need to think about this. We need to realize this. We're not victims. We're victors. There is power in that awesome, wonderful truth. Now, uh, verse 12, he says, when you think about that. Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation. It's not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. There's that death-like existence. If you are in the ark, and there's death away from God if you are not in the ark. <laughs> but if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Hey, so obviously, um, I want us to walk with Jesus. Choose the spirit, not the sinful nature. The message, which puts in modern language, it's a paraphrase. It's not a strict translation from the original languages. But it, it tries to you know, use our culture to say it where, you know, the way we talk. And I want to read to you. We all talk about the fruit of the spirit. But I want to read to you the fruit of the sinful nature as it's described here in this paraphrase. Galatians five nineteen through 21. It is obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all the time. Repetitive, loveless, cheap sex, a stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage, frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness, trinket gods, magic show religion, paranoid loneliness, cutthroat competition, all-consuming yet never satisfied once, a brutal temper... <laughs> An impotence to love or be loved. Divided homes and divided lives. Small-minded and lopsided pursuits. The vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival. Uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions. Ugly parodies of community. I could go on. And we don't want that, do we? That is death-like existence. That's what it looks like. How much better to go God's way. I mean, I want to go to heaven. And I know you want to go to heaven. But may people start seeing heaven in, in us, God in us now. 
through a life that's connected to God, the living God. And I close here with two questions. I I know I'm out of time. Um, The first one that we looked at here in verse 9, just real straight to the point, you don't automatically get into the kingdom of God. You're not automatically a Christian. There's the point in your life where you realize, man, I need God. I need to be forgiven. And it's at that point you say, Jesus, enter me. Make your home in me, Lord. Forgive me. And so that's why Paul said here, as I read in verse 9 and and even in verse 10, he didn't just assume these people were in the faith. He says, um, if the Spirit of God lives in you. And then verse 10, if Christ is in you. So that's my question. Is Christ in you? I'm not talking about, you know, you're in church. I'm glad you're in church. But are you in Christ? There's a difference. Secondly, and then I'm closed. We'll have our time of response. Is my mind set on the flesh, the sinful nature, or set on God's spirit? And uh, only you know that. Let's pray. Lord, uh, thank you for an opportunity, God. To look at your word. Father, I pray for each of us this morning. As we examine those two questions, Lord. Am I in Christ? If there is one here who has never taken that step and said, Jesus, I need you. Forgive me, enter my life. Make me new. May that change today. We don't want anyone to leave here and miss that gift of eternal life and of life that matters. So, Father, uh, I pray you call anyone here who may be there. And secondly, this truth about which direction are we headed. Is my life pitched toward the tent of Sodom or toward the tent of Canaan? Toward the sinful nature or toward God and his kingdom? And I pray, Father, that we would take that seriously. And, Lord, maybe it's a time for some to come to this altar and pray. Maybe it's a time, Father, for some to come and share. I don't know, Lord. I just want you to be glorified, God. I'm interested in seeing you work, Lord, not me. So I pray that we would hear your voice and hear your heart and that we would respond for you and that we would be able to say as we left here, we worshiped today. So have your way as we stand, as we sing, as we follow. In Christ's name, amen.